Harbor Church. Good to see everybody here. Um, you know, I could give a long, lengthy uh, preface to what we're going to talk about, but we have a lot of material to cover, and I really want to get into this. If, if there was, if there was a lesson to really talk about, you know, going into 2023 and and have some some deep uh, deep topics, this is it right here. This is just one of those lessons. Uh, and it just ironically is really in connection to some of the things that uh, Pastor and, and my wife and I were discussing last night. This right here is going to, to cover a lot of that information, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, under the, uh, the central truth on page 21, you should guys make God's word central. Central, right? The middle, correct? Make it the central point of your life. If something is the central point, it's a, it's a focus point. It's where everything else pivots out of. You understand how that works? I mean, literally, you've got to understand when something is central. Not only do you need to understand what it means for something to be central in your life, you also need to understand what it looks like when something is not central. You need to understand that, too. If you can get that, then you'll understand um, why I'm going to really hyper-focus on that uh, this morning. So the Central Truth says that teaching and practicing God's Word in the home forms a solid foundation for Christian discipleship. You want, we want to have a healthy society, and we want to have a good country to live in. We want a good economy. Um, we all want good jobs, and we want, we want all of these things. I don't know if you fully understand this or not, and maybe you do. Maybe you get this already. But all of that stems from the health of the family. All of it stems from the health of the family. The health of the family goes south, society goes south. Health of the family goes south, economics go south. It, it, listen, it's the way it works. I've seen the data on it. You can, you can always debate it until you see it start and see the data on it. And then you're like, okay, well, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth that healthy families produce healthy things in a country and in a society. It's just the way it works. And so you get you start getting away from family, we start having problems. But there's a lot of data to support it too. It's it's wild to think that it would be a central focus. You think, well, you know, people can continue to work and do whatever. No. There, there's something about a mom and a dad raising children, rearing them in the fear of the Lord. And producing children that will also turn and do the same thing that they do. There's just something about it that keeps things moving and keeps producing a healthy place to live. But once that disappears, you don't have a healthy place anymore. It, it just really is. Um, and so, under Let's Get Started, uh, it is appropriate that we begin a unit on building strong families with a lesson on making God's Word central. While we would all like to have a full formula for raising happy well-adjusted children I just saw that was so good I was like they threw in well-adjusted it's like because they're because they understand that the contrary is actually what's going on uh, well-adjusted children who faithfully serve God we must understand that children have a free will and their choices may not always be what we would like for them to be this is true this is true um, let me talk just a minute on free will. So, um, everybody has a free will, correct? Mm -hmm. Everybody has a free will. 
you you have a free will this morning to choose. Now, of course, this is focusing on children. Um, children have a free will. They're going to decide, make choices based on the things that they have been taught or the, maybe even the things that they didn't want to be taught. But they're going to they're gonna make those decisions based on, um, based on the things that they've learned. So we all have a free will. Kids have a free will. But also free will comes at a price, too. And, and we should know that. We understand that. Um, prayer is a very powerful thing. You've heard me say this before. Pastor said it before. I'm not going to really key in on it. But prayer does not trump choice. And a lot of people might, would disagree with that because we automatically assume because prayer is such a powerful thing and it's a connection, it's the way we connect with God, no one would even like to entertain the idea that if I'm praying for something that it couldn't possibly come to pass. Well, the thing about it is is that we often pray amiss because we're praying out of line with God's will for our lives. This is what happens when you pray for God to change people's minds. Change their mind and make them do it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Why? Because he does not. He will not usurp free will because it was one of the greatest gifts he's ever given. He gave it to Adam and Eve. Power of free will. Um, there is, and I'm not going to spend any time on it here, but there is a, listen, a greater teaching to be had on teaching people how to make wise choices. In my, in my opinion, than reminding people about their prayer lives. Because you got people praying and making awful decisions. They have no wisdom. People need to be ta taught again how to, how to uh, make good choices and make better decisions. It blows my mind, the Christianity today and the people thinking, well, I've been praying, so it's all going to work out. Well, I believe that God does work things out in prayer. Absolutely, as long as we're praying in accordance to his will. As long as we're praying um, and being obedient to him and not just using him as somebody who kicks blessings out to us. So there's something to this, this um, free will. And I've, I've looked back even in my own life and I've had to look. I've been convicted, church. Listen, I've been convicted under conviction in the spirit when I was asking God for things and praying about him. And God said, well, why don't you just do it yourself? And I was like, well, no, I'm praying. You know, I want super, something supernatural to happen. And he showed me in those prayer times, in, those, in that time in, in, in supplication, prayer supplication to him, that it didn't have to be a miracle. It didn't have to be supernatural. I just needed to make better decisions. He's like, I gave you free will. Just make better decisions. Stop doing that. Start doing this. You know, we pray, we pray for our children, right? We pray for our children. We, we teach them to pray. Do you understand that that is a very important aspect of their lives? But do you also understand that along with teaching your child to pray, that you also need to teach them to make good decisions? And if they don't make good decisions, that there are consequences for bad decision making? Yeah. If you don't do it, they're still, they're gonna, they go and they still think that prayer is going to bail them out. Where's that mighty God you were talking about? God never shows up for me. It's because you make awful decisions, and they keep landing you in a pit. And that's the same way with me. You make bad decisions, where do you think it's going to land you? So th this is, listen, do you understand that how this works for society? We need the next generation to be raised up, not just understanding a bit of prayer, but how to make good decisions and to follow the Lord. 
That's that following the Lord is is interconnected with good decision making, church. It really is. And so they said free will and their choices may not always be what we like them to be, of course, because they're gonna they get to choose. However, when the family is grounded in God's word, its ever present teachings will remain with uh remind them of what is true. Now, let me ask you a question. Why does truth matter? Because it says right here, and I agree with the lesson. I wouldn't agree with that. However, when the family is grounded in God's word, its ever-present teachings will remind them of what is true. Why does truth matter? It helps you to know when there's a lie, when there's something fake or false, and trying to lead you away from the truth. So there is something, there is something called a lie. It is a thing. You, do you believe that lying is a thing? Do you believe that there's false information out there right now? Do you believe in truth? That there is an inherent truth? This is what we're running into this right now. And, and I've watched a documentary on it. And uh, I've been just obviously from what we've seen. But I've looked a little bit farther into it than just been on the surface. And this is what we're dealing with now with just basic biology. That a man can choose to be a woman if he wants. No, you can't. You absolutely can't do that. A woman cannot choose to be a man if she wants. You can't do that. Why? Because the truth is that you're a man and you're a woman. That's truth. That's called objectable truth. You can't deny that. That's what. That's the way you were created. That's objectable truth. You can't get past that. No different than the sun in the sky. But we're, we're at a place now in our society where people are saying, you know what? I don't like the sun's in the sky. I think it's all a ruse. And they're, they're throwing this out there that now that you can just pretty much decide how you want things to go. And if you want to be, they call them, Haven, you have to help me. They call them furries. Is that a furry? You want to be an animal? You want to be, and you, you're allowed to be that. They, listen, church, they have, they have things, yeah. They have things right now in certain schools where they have allowed the furries to take over and that the teachers are not allowed to say anything to them when they bark yeah. as an answer to the questions. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's real deal. That's real. That's real. That's where we're at. If if a question is asked and and the and the and the response is meow. So the dog ate it and the dog's gonna bark. Dog's gonna bark. I'm glad this stuff wasn't around. <laughs> If you could imagine it getting that crazy, that's where we're at. And they're actually passing laws to protect the children who believe this. That's where we're, that's where we're at. What? My question is, what happened? What happened to us? What happened to recognizing what truth is? And this is, and now I'm going to answer my own question, and Sean answered it perfectly. But why does truth matter? Well, you really need to key in on that because truth in God's word, truth in reality, like what is reality? That matters. It really matters. What happened is God's been taken out of society. You take God out of society, you take truth out of society. You take truth out. Even though it seems ridiculous and imaginable. There it is. This stuff you're talking about, who could have ever imagined that a few years ago? Right. But as this happens, the velocity is picking up as well. Yeah. The extremity of it is picking up. The acceptance of it is unbelievable. Yes. So there you go. Yeah, people are afraid to combat it because of uh, of uh, rebuttal and, and cancellation and, and uh, just bad. Yeah. House burned down. House burned down. Yeah. Uh, harm to yeah. your children. Everybody is really afraid 
uh, and they're not sure how to respond. Do I believe the majority are not in that same boat? Obviously, the majority is not, but the majority doesn't know how to respond. So what the majority does is they don't do anything at all. Ignore it's, it, it'll go away. Ignore it, it'll go away, and so it just continues to encroach. So you have to understand, though, that, that the church has to give a response to truth. That's the response. We have to give a response to what truth is. And so what does that mean? Well, that means that I'm going to have to tell them you're not a dog or you're not a cat or you're not a man or you're not a woman. You're not these things. And you're like, oh, Tanner, you can't say those things today. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. And I've listened to a lot of debate on that, and I've listened to it on both sides. And that's where we're at today is that we're, we have to be bold. And stand up for what truth is. <laughs> truth is, um, and I don't want to get too far into it, um, because, well, I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, go ahead, Sean. Uh, I don't think it's real. I, I was wondering, it's like, if they think they're a dog, how are they going to ask for anything? How is it? They're going to have to talk at some point. Yeah. I'd like, like a number five with a Big Mac and a quarter pound of cheese. No, you're supposed to like, yeah, You eat dog food. Yeah, you eat dog food. You eat dog food. But how are you going to get the dog food? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The I don't wanna, yeah, it's I the most chaotic thing I've ever seen in my life. The reason I'm telling you that is because that is the reality. That's true. It's actually happening right now. we got people trying to uh, pull these things off. All right, so let's keep moving. A church is only as healthy as its families. Man, that's strong. That's tough. A church is only as healthy as its families. Whether a family consists of a couple with children at home a single parent with children or a couple who are empty nesters, regardless, 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 the, 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 the health of the church is dependent upon the health of the families. If you bring a bunch of healthy people together that are operating correctly, you've heard me say it a million times, you bring everybody together that's been praying at the house and that has a good home life, and you put them in a, in a congregation, you will have a healthy church. If you take a bunch of people who are not praying and who really don't care otherwise and are practicing sin behind closed doors and you bring that into the church, then that is what you're going to get. That's it. That's true. That's the, 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 the um, health of the church will be dependent upon that. Let me tell you what it will not be dependent upon. The health of the church will not be dependent on the kind of building that you have. It will not. It will not be dependent on... Uh, the, how comfortable the seats are or any of those things that will not matter that won't matter and, and I'll go as far as to say that unless the people that are hearing the, the, the preaching at some point if the preaching is not received the preaching is not even mattering anymore because the people have to receive it you have to be changed you have to be convicted right that takes the Holy Ghost so if you kick the Holy Ghost out and you really don't listen to those sort of things and if you get mad and then the pastor gets voted out and you bring another one in um uh, that that's a sign of, of the kind of healthier church is i i, I want to write a book on it someday i really do if you have switched pastors every three years there's a problem something's not right it's weird like like it's like you know what i'm tired of i'm tired of the things he's saying let's vote him out and get someone else in yeah, they said they don't fit. Yeah, that didn't, that didn't fit. Let's church. That's, something's not right with that. That's not right. Okay. Um, building a strong Christian family is impossible without embracing God's word. It's absolutely impossible. Capital I, impossible. Parents must love God and model a love for his word in order to instill that devotion <clears throat> to uh, God in their children. Parents are the primary teachers of godly values for children. 
um, but they do well to combine their efforts with those of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and others. What does that mean exactly? What does that mean? Well, first of all, you're going to have to either agree or disagree. You've got to, first of all, we have to come to that conclusion. Do you agree or disagree that the church that you're involved in that's teaching you these things, that if you have questions or maybe some ideas that you should probably ask? Can we get agree or disagree? I'm not. I'm not trying to trap you in anything. I, the reason I'm telling you that is because we we are in a society where we're very self um, we're very self inclusive, and so what that means is is I don't mind bringing my I don't mind coming to church and hearing what you have to say, but stay out of my business and don't say anything to me. And if you see something that looks wrong, you better not say a word to me. See, that's that's. Now, I'm not saying, see, now that's easy for me to use, so you probably think, you know, it's easy for you to say, Tanner. You're the one up there saying it. You, there's no, you do not have, church, you do not have success in family or otherwise unless you can take instruction. That's the thing about being a parent is that being a parent, you're broke down all the time, and you have to allow that in order to better yourself and to be a better parent. And so, where other what other advice would you rather get than from from a, in a church scenario? You want to Google it? <clears throat> My child is screaming. What do I do? <laughs> well, it starts with being honest with yourself. Uh, that's good. Good you point. Can only yeah. Do that by utilizing the Word of God. The flesh will justify every action it wants to take. Everything. You will be talked into by your own self things out of the line. With God's word, and when you get out of line with God's word, you're in dangerous territory. Yeah. Now you can expand that to our situation today. That's how our society's become. Sure. But it starts at the smallest things. It starts in the home. It starts in the individual. It starts in the family yeah. by straying off from the word of God. Yeah, it does. And sometimes it, it, you get vulnerable. It feels if you share what it is you're dealing with with people when they come to church, you're vulnerable. You're opening yourself up, and, mm. and people don't like to get hurt. I don't, I don't like to be hurt, but you've got to be vulnerable and let some of those things out in the open sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sure. But that, that's part of the problem with it. They don't like being told because it's something so deep to their core. Yeah. That if you say something that may that's good. they may not like or even maybe the right advice that they need to hear, it may hurt. Yeah, that's good. And I think, too, though, we've turned church into a place where we come, and I want to say this carefully because Everything we get here is fantastic, but people have this expectation of you just come to church and it's all going to magically just take care of itself. Yeah. It don't work. Even pastor tell you, it, it's the same way with even receiving prayer. It's like church. Listen, it's not going to be a magic thing. You come down the aisle, pastor lays hands on you. It's like okay, everything's all okay now. No, no, it's not. You're going to have to make good decisions from here on out. And you're going to have to make some tough decisions. And like Sean said, you're have, you may have to take some advice. And some of the advice that may not be fun. That might be rough. That might be hard to handle. But that's, where else do you want to go? Like I said, do you want to, it is easier to Google it, I admit. It is easier to Google it. You know why it's easier? Not just because it's on your phone, because you don't get any feedback. Like nobody's there to tell you that, you know, it's the one thing I don't like about uh, search engines they are narrative supporters. Mm-hmm. Like you can create whatever narrative you want and type it in, and it will all of a sudden, by an algorithm, start kicking you everything out 
that's in accordance with that. Have you, have you not realized that your phone listens to you? <laughs> have you ever been talking about something and then all of a sudden your, your, the phone starts kicking out that information? I've had people actually tell me that God was doing it. I was, do you believe, God is leading me. He is, I was just talking about it and here it is on my phone. That's a sign. I'm like, oh my goodness. It's like, when, it's like, okay, we are, we need to go all the way back. We got a long way to go. Uh, we need to go back to some base fundamentals uh, when, when the phone is leading you to do God's will. So let's go to our scriptures this morning. Let's get into these. You also can, uh, you can always get a different answer when you're Googling. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I don't like that answer. Let me go to the next one. Yeah, I don't like that one. That one yeah. doesn't fit what I was wanting. I'm gonna, that's a narrative. It just yeah. supports the narrative. Okay, Haley, go ahead. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your home or your house and on your gates. In, your, in the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? Then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us the land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands the Lord our God has given us. Psalms 119.9 How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Thank you. All right. Page 23. Embrace God's word. As the people of Israel were camped on the east side of the Jordan River, Moses reminded them that embracing God's decrees would show their reverence and respect for God and, and result in abundant blessings. This last book written by Moses in the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, is aptly named Deuteronomy, which means second law. God had given the law earlier on Mount Sinai, but over and over the people had disobeyed. A new generation had endured the wilderness and wanderings and was prepared to enter the promised land. Do you remember the, the wilderness? Do you remember Moses? Do you remember what happened there? They were, they were not allowed to go to the promised land because of disobedience and because of unbelief. So what happened was, is in order to bring balance to the situation and get it back in order again, the old generation had to die off. And the new generation had to take over. That's a lesson. That is a lesson. Because this is the way God operates. He operates through these generations. He's, he's saying, hey, you know, you're, I'm not going to let you enter in because you're not going to do with it what I had planned. The next generation, because they have been taught from, the, from their upbringing, they, they don't know anything about Egypt. But 
you these new ones you do and so you're thinking about all these things about remember remember what their one of their complaints was it was better in egypt he's like oh yeah we don't need that going over into the new land no that's that's not going to work and so um the generation had to die off and the new generation had to take over because they were they were more prepared they were more ready for that and they were their teachings were based on God throughout their entirety of their life. And so they were prepared and in their prime to take over. Oh, so he said, Christians are not saved by obedience to the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. However, like the Israelites, we do experience promised blessings as we live in obedience to God's word. Obedience is a way believers show their love for Jesus. We must embrace God's word for it instructs us how to live according to his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's a great lesson to teach the young people today is that we embrace God's word because it instructs us how to live according to his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Which in connection with that, this is where we teach our children the fear of the Lord. Because at some point in time, your children are going to ask this question, why do we do this? Why? Why do we do this? You better have a good answer. Not, not because I told you so. Children, children are very smart. And sometimes children are not given the credit where credit is due. They're very keen, and they watch, and they listen very carefully. And so when a child comes to you with a question, a creative question, which a create, uh, asking why is a really good question. I think it, it does us good to ask why we do some of the things that we do. So a child says, why do we go to church all of the time? Because I said so. Do you know what the result of that usually is over the long run? Bitterness. Bitterness. Because the, child's, the child receives fulfillment from receiving concise answers. A child feels shunned when always being told because I told you so. Is there a, is there a place for I told you so? Yes, there is. is it, should it be a go-to for a parent just so they can have the upper hand in the conversation? No. As a matter of fact, you're walking down a path, and in about five to ten years, you're going to find out real fast that that kid's going to say, because you told me so. Well, you know what? I'm old enough now. Now you can't tell me to do that anymore. Now I'm going to go do whatever I want. That's what giving inconcise answers will bring. And so there needs to be a meaning behind what we do. Why do we go to church? Because let me show you some of the history. Let me show you what happens when we obey the Lord. If we obey the Lord and we don't forsake the assembly of saints, he says that he'll bless us. We want to be blessed. You want to be blessed, don't you? Yes, I do. I want to be blessed. Then this is why we, we obey the Lord and we follow him. This is what believers do. Believers gather. Believers get together and they like to hang out with the people that have been uh, a believers also. A little bit more of a clear answer. We come here because we love the Lord. We come here because we want to worship him. And we create this to the child as being something that we enjoy doing. Because if you create it, if you, if you create I know a lot of you already got children that are raised, so you don't even really care about what I'm saying. But listen, if you create something to the child that they enjoy and that makes sense to them, they'll be on board. They'll be on board in a heartbeat. And it's not hard to do. It's not hard to create that. You create that within them yourself. But when we start giving inconcise answers and we start forcefully saying, this is the way we do this, and you're going to do it whether, whether you like it or not, you're already off on the wrong foot. <laughs> it's already going to go the wrong direction. You're going to get resistance in a couple years, and, and that resistance is going to be hard to defeat. 
It's going to be hard to beat. So um, maybe that doesn't apply to anybody. <laughs> maybe you, maybe I just said that just to be saying it. But this is this is how the setting needs to be for our children today in getting them to be on board with what we do for the Lord. Okay. So um, where was I at, guys? Sorry. Yeah, one of the greatest blessings of obedience is seeing our faith in God become real for our children and grandchildren. Amen, right? Why? Why is that such important? Because you see the generational impact. You see the generational impact. Setting an example of what it means to love God and live for Him may be the most effective way to influence others, both in our families and our community. What did he just say there? Setting an example of what it means to love God and live for Him. What does that mean, though? That means you actually do it. That means you actually do what you say you're going to do. Um, there was a... Um, uh, how do I say this? I don't bring up no names. I'll just keep the names out of it. But there are some people, YouTubers and, and uh, different, different individuals, I've heard say this, and uh, it struck me wrong. At first, I took it offensively, and I took it personal. I was like, wait a second. That's not true. And then I stopped for a minute, and I thought. thought about what they had said. These YouTubers were doing some search in religions, and found Christianity to not be an appealing belief system to get involved in. Do you know why they said that? Like when I first heard him say it, I thought, you don't know nothing about my faith. I want to hear what you got to say. I was offended. And the answer that was given was because the people are not authentic. That was the answer. He said, he said the, same, the same people that are partying with me are the same people that are going to church. He said, that's not appealing to me at all. Christianity, he said, Western culture Christianity is not appealing to me at all. <laughs> Just figure it out for yourselves. That's where we're at. So it's not a, so it's not a, uh, it, it's not as impactful. Why? Because the people don't live it in front of the other people. So they're like, that. so you can dismiss it if you want. You could say, what does he know? He's a sinner. Judgment begins in the house of God. And if the sinner notices it, I don't want to really want to be a part of that. You know, to me, that's more telling. It's not a dismissal thing. It's not something you easily dismiss when someone comes along and says, uh, the group of people you hang out with are not authentic. They're out here uh, doing drugs and, and smoking it up and getting drunk and doing all this stuff, and they're still coming to church. What do you want me to say? Yeah, it'd be easy to dismiss and say, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, you just keep saying that if it makes you feel better. But to me, it's like, whoa, that's, a, that's straight my tie-up kind of stuff. Ooh, hang on a second. He may have a good point, kind of like you just, we were just talking about. It does not feel good to be told something like that. It didn't feel, when I heard it, I, I took it offensively. I said, no, sir, he's wrong. He is incorrect. And then I listened to the whole story. I thought, well, you may have a point. <laughs> <laughs> he might have a point. And that bothered me. All right, so um, Moses presented a confession of faith for the people of God by which they could know the one true God. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, known as the Shema, was the starting place for the Jewish parents to teach their children about their faith in God and their relationship to him. Every aspect of life was to be related to their faith in God and how it was expressed as they lived in full commitment to him. The Shema declares the God of Israel is the one true God who is to be loved with all one's being and obeyed wholeheartedly. Well, let's just look at the scripture. I think it's just four, what did it say, four through nine? Just look back over there real quick. 
<clears throat> Listen, O Israel. I'm not going to take it out of context, but I'll just say it like this. Listen, America. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And if you're wondering how that applies, it's because people today, Western culture Christians, do not have it on their house, do not have it on their doorposts. They don't have it tied around their hands. They don't talk about it when they're going to bed. They don't talk about it when they're getting up. You get the point? That's the point. There's no life in it. And, and as I said before, if I'm not doing it, if I'm not living it out in front of my five children, then what good does it do? What good does it do? It does no good. I don't, I don't even care what I talk about. We can talk about, I can sit down and have good conversations with my kids, and we try to make it a point to do that. But I know, I know that it doesn't make a one difference at all to them what I say unless I actually do it. Well, some of the hardest things I've ever had to do is apologize to my own children. Some of the hardest things I ever had to do was apologize to my own children. And really, simply because I had just blown it completely and not been accountable. Like, I totally fell off the horse on that one. I totally treated them like trash. I'm going to have to go and apologize. Oh, that's awful. But it's needed, and it has to be done. Why? Because the, the last thing I want is my children to be like me. I want them to learn from my mistakes and be better than me. I want them to be better Christians than, than, than I've been. And if you can learn from my mistakes, fantastic. Use me as a stepping stone. Go to the next level. Get closer to God than I was. Whatever it takes. But the only way that happens is if we're completely honest with ourselves about our, our deficiencies. Like we've been, if we've been deficient, like apologize for it. Like literally go to them and like I was wrong. They need to know that, that you were wrong. Because it creates this perspective of you as being vulnerable. The last thing your kid needs to see is that you are impenetrable. Your kid does not need that. They don't need to know that you're impenetrable. It feels, though, as a parent, you should have that persona, though. It feels like it. It feels like you should be hard. Like, you know, you'll do what I say, and nothing bothers me, and nothing hurts me. Your children don't need that kind of parent. They need vulnerability. They need flexibility. They need to know that you will stand by the truth at all costs, and even when you don't follow it yourself, that you're still willing to say, oh, no, I didn't follow the truth. I apologize. Family, I'm sorry. I faulted on that one. That was my, that was my mistake. They got to see that if you wanted to see them grow up and be healthy with their own families. Because they're only going to model what they've, they've watched. They're not going to just listen to you you're going to have to make a sacrifice. Does it make sense? Are we making sense with this stuff? Mm -hmm. I know, like I said, it probably doesn't apply to some of you. Maybe you can teach it to your grandchildren. Um, but it's very important that these things are, are followed. John, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I feel it, it's kind of, we've gotten to a comfortable Christianity in America. Mm -hmm. we're, we're so comfortable that we just take everything for granted. I know I have. Mm -hmm. and, and
and sure. from well, having a house over my head to having a bed to, to all that. Yep. To be able to go to the store and buy food, to be able to go work, drive down the road and pretty much have all the freedom that I want to have. I've, I've taken that for granted and yep. it's hard to, to, we haven't really seen and walked through. We weren't the, we weren't, our generation isn't the generation that came out of Egypt. We're the ones that were the children of yep. the ones that came out of Egypt. Yes. So it's hard for us to grasp that sometimes yeah. to be able to yeah. put it into context. Yeah, we were that. watching, we were watching uh, an old show last night from 1991 and uh, they were looking and I told Pastor it was a good depiction uh, of, of the way it was back in the uh, early 1900s and uh these people were struggling it was like 19 uh, what was passion 1930 working working in the the orchards and stuff like that picking picking apples uh to make a living i thought it was very interesting um when you just watch that kind of depiction if you do your homework on it, you'll find that it's, it's pretty pretty close to the truth uh as to the way things were back then i'm thinking that was i mean from then to the, like the 80s like 50 years not long at all and we don't know nothing about that we don't know anything about that. Thank God we don't know anything about that. Somebody had to pay the price to get it done. So anyway, back to operating in truth. That's good, uh, Sean. Uh, back to operating in truth and then telling our, uh, being able to raise our kids according to these standards. Every aspect of life was to be related to their faith in God and how it was expressed as they lived in full commitment to him. The Shema declares that the God of Israel is the one true God who is to be loved with all one's being and obeyed wholeheartedly. That's what the scriptures just said. Jesus reinforced this truth by quoting the Shema when asked about the greatest commandment. That was in Mark 12, 29. Everyday activities provide opportunities to talk about God with children. As parents connect scripture to the things they do, children can come to see how God and his word is a part of daily living. So this, this applies to the parent, but it also applies to the grandparent also. Both ways. So you say, well, you know, my kids, you know, they don't really follow the Lord, but, you know, we really want them grandkids in church. We really want to See the grandkids do well than grandparents? Treat it as they're your children and teach them the oracles of God. That's what has to be done. That's, that's the responsibility that weighs on our shoulders to make sure that this carries on to the next generation. Because remember what we were talking about at the beginning? We were talking about strong, healthy families, right? Strong, healthy families that make up America. And that the farther we go, the crazier it's getting. Like, how do we get out of the craziness? Well, you get out of the craziness by coming back to the basic fundamentals of family. Basic fundamentals of family. All right. For strong and healthy families, loving and obeying God's word must be a natural part of daily life. And I don't have to even, I don't even want to spend a lot of time talking about how you can look through history and look at, um, start back, uh, California Zoo Street Revival. Uh, look at look at the economics then. Look at what the way things were in America at that time. Things were really difficult, very hard, early 1900s. And then you push into the 20s and 30s. It was still difficult, but the church attendance and Christianity belief system was like at 75 percentile of all people, like the majority. And as America got richer and things become more fluent, you can watch it shift. You just you can look at the data and see it. It was unbelievable. I thought, wow, and that's crazy. We peaked. Fifties, right in the fifties, we peaked. Started going really down. Sixties, seventies, 
It just started. Everybody was like, we don't need God. We don't need any of that stuff. Well, I don't know. Look what happened to the family. Everything started to deteriorate. If you think that what we have now is healthy, we're, we're, we're totally have lost our perspective. It's not healthy what we have right now. It's, it's diminishing almost by the day, it feels like. Doesn't it seem like to you just like, I mean, the stuff that's running rampant and going crazy. We've lost the core of what makes a family a family. All right, let's go to section two. Teach God's word. I'm trying, guys, and we're going to get through it. I feel like I just got to just keep just reading. <laughs> okay. Um, section two, Moses instructed Israelite parents to answer their children's questions by showing them that righteous living was tied to their identity as people chosen by God. Now, I kind of already made this point, but I'm going to make it again because th this is a good point right here. But it's impossible to teach your children anything if you're not righteous yourself. Forget it. Like, if you're not willing to actually obey the rules, and I'll term it like that, if you're not willing to obey the rules yourself, don't expect your children to. That doesn't even make sense. And that's what we're getting today is they, it's like, that's why I, I was talking in the beginning about church attendance. Is church attendance important? Well, sure it is. But it's like, now we think that it's like magic. Like, I'm going to bring my kid into church and it's just going to fix the whole thing. No, it's not. Simple church attendance is not going to fix your child. Teaching your child the difference between wrong and right will. Punishing your child for wrong will. That's debatable today. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do those things. We're losing ourselves because of lack thereof. And so coming, just simply coming into church is not a fix. It's not. I, I'm glad this is a lesson that we're using uh, that's being used uh, January 1st, 2023. This is highly needed. And for parents to understand that, you just bring your kid into church and they're going to pray over them and it's all going to be well and good. What you do at the house when the doors are closed is what's going to be well and good. And that's what your kid is going to act out and that's what your kid is going to live by. Not by just what he is, he or she sees when they come into the doors of the church. Uh, kids, kid, like I said before, kids are smart. They know when church is starting to become foreign. Like, mom and dad act different when they come to church. You know, I've heard that before. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just, <laughs> I've heard that before multiple times. Mom and dad act different when they come to church. They don't act, they don't act the same. Hmm. That's an interesting, interesting thing. Kids are pretty, kids are sharp. They're very sharp. Okay. He had redeemed them from slavery and provided a land for them. Obedience to God's word would result in right living and in his continued blessings to them. Obedience leads to what? Blessings. We're just talking about that. When we recognize and celebrate our relationship with God and his work in our lives, we help our children establish a pattern of trusting God for themselves. Meaning when you do it, they'll do it. When you do it, they'll do it. You create that, though. That's created in you. That's created at the house. That's not created in church. I'll, I've said it a million times. Church is a byproduct of what you're doing at the house. That's all it is. It's, 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 I know there's a lot of emphasis put on it, and I agree with the emphasis. But it is a byproduct of what you're doing at home. You want to come to church because you're serving God at home. You want to worship with other believers because you worship at the house. 
And it all comes together, culminating on that Sabbath Sunday. So, is church itself going to save you? Nope, it's not going to do it. And it's not going to raise your children for you either. <laughs> you have to do that yourself. All right. Um, when we recognize and celebrate our relationship with God and His work in our lives, we help our children establish a pattern of trusting God for themselves. The Israelites could answer their children's questions by drawing on their what? History. Now that's an interesting point because what are they trying to do now? Erase history. I don't want you knowing about your history. I don't want you talking about that Holocaust stuff for the Jews and all that. No, we don't want you to know any of that information. None of that, none of that really happened. What is going on? Because history is a very fundamental piece of what you do. You have to know your history. Uh, we talked about it here before. You know, it's it's uh, kind of uh, talking about like being ashamed of your past. There's no one in here that's not ashamed of their past, to some degree. But your past has to be a tool, not something you hide. It has to be a tool. You use the history of what you've lived and you reveal that to your children, that they can understand how that works. You see how that works? You see what bad decisions do? You see what not making the right decisions where it will lead you? That's what happens. I go back to we have, as parents, you have to be vulnerable for your children. You cannot be this impenetrable being that never makes mistakes. If you are an impenetrable being that never makes mistakes and you know, never have emotion and you never have any situation, you just keep it all bottled up inside. I, I agree with handling things like parents, but it's one of the things that has, I think, it, overall within our country that has... Um, Causes to be disconnected from our children is that we have not been honest with them about our own personal struggles. And showing them, this is what I dealt with, and I don't want you to have to deal with that either. Because you, you, you have to tell your children, I'm, I'm, I'm a fault. I have fault. I have problems. I think, I think sometimes parents think, because I'm trying to show my kid the difference between right and wrong, that I can't ever be wrong. No, that's the greatest teacher that you could ever have is being wrong and then admitting it to your children. The greatest teacher. But always walking around, I'm never wrong, I'm not wrong. That's not a good thing to present to your children because they figure it out. <laughs> They'll figure it out. They're really sharp. They're like, mom and dad, they're, they're like never right. And uh, they always act like it. That, kids are, they are smart. They'll figure it out. Okay. Um, their ancestors were slaves in Egypt. God redeemed them from bondage brought judgment on their captors, then brought them into the land he had promised to their forefathers. God's goodness to them would continue as they obeyed his commandments and showed reverence and love for him. This is what you're teaching your children. You're teaching your children to obey God and going back through the history of your life and showing them where God has brought you from. And you want them to follow the same, you want them to follow the same God. We too can draw on our spiritual history to help children see why we love God and live for him. Whether you are a first-generation believer or come from a long line of faithful Christians, you can use your personal testimony. Everybody say personal testimony. Your personal testimony to teach your children or your grandchildren. Our obedience should be fueled by love and gratitude for who God is and what he has done rather than grudgingly following the rules out of a sense of duty. I would disagree with the lesson to a certain extent here because I do believe duty is important. I think having a sense of duty is important. Like It's kind of like going to a job. You go to a job, you have a sense of duty, you do your job, right? 
a sense of duty. I believe that people should have a sense of duty. If we're going to claim Christianity, there's a sense of duty to actually do it. Amen. That's, that's what I mean by duty. If you're going to say, I'm a Christian and I fear the Lord, then you actually better fear him. It'll be actually something you do. All right, I'm almost out of time. Parents are to be primary teachers of their children. Well, who else would be? Google. Yeah. <laughs> Google TikTok. will be TikTok. Which is the TikTok was created in the pits of hell. <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah. Anything that is untraceable after it's Snapchat. Snapchat, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well Snapchat was created in hell too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just having fun, guys. Don't 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 get upset with me. I'm just having fun. Any anything that can doesn't have any trace history after it's actually taken place, there's somebody not very keen behind it. Um, this is one of the reasons we don't allow our children access to those things. But um, anyway, let me let me let me keep reading. I got to keep going. Um, where am I at again, Sean? Oh yeah, primary primary teachers. You got to be primary teachers. Someone else is going to teach them if you're not doing it. Often, education is all about academic learning, and children whose parents are involved in their academic experience generally do better than children whose parents aren't. I'm not going to speak on directly academics here. Now that works. This is true. They're giving you a true thing here. I'm talking about parents that are just involved with their children. Your children are going to turn out right. If parents are involved with their children, if grandparents, listen, even grandparents, grandparents, if you're involved with your grandchildren, they're going to turn out good. They're going to turn out right. One of the biggest pivots in family is lack of involvement. It's one of the biggest pivots. Is if, a, if the parents are involved in what the children are doing, it's going to turn out good. If the parents are not involved, if they are detached, if they're like, fend for yourself, if they're like, you already know what you need to do, just go do it. If that happens, then they're not going to turn out well. Parents have to be directly involved with their, with their children. This is even on a spiritual level. Very spiritual level. you got to be involved with your children spiritually. Did you pray? Did you pray tonight? Yeah, I pray. Okay, good. Did you pray? Did you read? You still doing it? Yeah. Well, no, I didn't yesterday. Hey, listen, you need to pray. You need to keep get, keep your stuff up. Be involved. Directly connected. Grandparents, confront your grandchildren. Did you pray? Hey, you don't have a Bible? I'm going to go get you one. I'm going to give it to you as a gift. I want you to read this right here. Give them, give them some little and give them some rewards to push them in that direction. Parents and grandparents, it goes a million miles into developing the kind of adults that we want to see lead our nation. I don't, the people that are leading our nation, I'm pretty sure didn't have the Bible read to them when they were kids. There's something else going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd also just like to point out, your only involvement with your child can't be just about discipline. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. You just become a punisher. Got to be a healthy balance. Yeah, there has to be balance. You become the punisher and you become the villain, twenty-four-seven, and then that also incites bitterness. So, I'm out of time, church. We had a lot of great info to go. Maybe we get to cover this at another time. God bless you guys. Have a good service.